0: Welcome to Spooky South Ghost. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does not AM
1: 1420, WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa.
2: Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz overcoming some technical issues here in the Spooky studio in order to bring you the program where we talk about this paranormal each and every Saturday night. And we're having some issues with Spooky TV. Uh, It is up and running as far as we can tell, but we don't have any chat room access here in the studio, so Matt Costa can see it on his phone, but it's kind of hard to read. Uh, So anybody that's in the chat room tonight and has some questions, you're going to have to call into the show uh, because we don't have a way to read them on the air. But that's not going to stop us from having a great program tonight with our guest, Reverend Clarissa Vasquez. She's joining us once again. Uh, She's from the Colorado Coalition of the Paranormal, and uh, that's coloparanormal.com. You can check her out linked up on spookysouthcoast.com as well. Uh, but we're going to bring her right on board and get right to the discussion because we've only got about twenty minutes left in this hour. So, good evening, Clarissa. How you doing? Thanks for coming back on the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're always happy to have you here. And last time that we had you on the program, we were discussing uh, hitchhiker legends and myths. And I was just wondering if you, you know, if you caught the redheaded hitchhiker.
3: You know, when I was out there in New England last summer, we did look for the red-headed hitchhiker, and the closest we came was a photograph of me hitchhiking underneath the street sign that we emailed to Chris Belzano. Yeah,
2: that counts. <laughs> you're, you're red-headed and you're hitchhiking. It counts.
3: That's right. That's right. But so I don't, that was the closest we came to, uh, to finding that particular hitchhiker.
2: I don't think that you would treat motorists the same way that the uh, phantom red-headed hitchhiker does.
3: You know, I don't think so. I, I people... don't think... Uh, I'm in that much demand yet.
2: Well, as I was going to say, that would just be rude. Somebody gives you a ride and you cause all those kind of problems. I know. But, I mean, in the, in the year that's uh, passed since, since you were here, or the, the time that's passed since you were here, I mean, you must have gotten more reports and found more reports of similar type entities on the different various roadways across America.
3: We did. Um, and the more I've discussed the project with various organizations, um, the more interest the project itself has gained. And uh, we did the initial trial run last summer, and uh, worked out a few bugs, and we're getting ready to launch it again next weekend.
2: That, so that's what uh, I was going to say. That's really what I think is key to this whole hitchhiker thing: is to get as many different stories uh, from different areas of the country, different roadways, and maybe even different parts of the world, and kind of bring them all together. And, and as we discussed last time, you know, picking apart the similarities, the differences and seeing if maybe we're not just sharing one common, uh, I don't want to say boogeyman, but one common type of entity that, uh, you you know, is is seen worldwide.
3: Exactly. You know, and, and in running that particular project, trying to find the similarities and contributing toward the theories on time, temperature, lunar phase, and things of that nature.
2: Is there a chance, though, that even with all this research and all this documentation, that it's just, it's going to be so elusive that you can never really get to the bottom of it? It's just, it might just be simple uh, mythology and folklore.
3: Absolutely. That's the case with any type of research that you do. Um, You can either find conclusive evidence or have your findings be inconclusive. Um, And the neat thing about this project is it can always be tweaked and restructured to further your knowledge and better your
2: research. Well, and I assume, you know, being a student of history that you are, uh, I assume that a lot of that plays into this too, where it's it's kind of just the, the common story of a people. And whether it be a hitchhiker, whether it be something under the bed, something in the closet, it just seems like there has to be this something for us to, to fear. It's almost like the fear that drives us, no pun intended, when we're going down this road, this dark and, and quiet road... It, it, there's a natural fear, so we need to kind of have an explanation for it.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, humans are innately you know, fear is bred into us. It's, it's part of being an animal, so to speak, and every every animal has to fear something. And because humans have evolved so so drastically, um, you know, and with developments in technology and science and and evolution, if you will. Uh, you know, humans have to fear something, and because oftentimes you know you're in the dark and you can't see things, that's when that that innate ability kicks in. You know, and and you don't know what's going on because you can't see what's around you when you're in the dark.
2: And, and we talked about this before, but I think it would be really cool to have one night where we do set up various teams along a roadway and see if we you know maybe we can pinpoint. One of these entities, and see if it—if we're really seeing the same creature travel along a road, or if—or if it's really just, you know, uh, these could very well be some sort of a tulpa, some sort of a thought form that has been created by so many people traveling down those roads and sharing those stories. That henceforth it exists.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the the best way to to determine something, you know, is to replicate. And so, if you can. If you can get, say, three different teams on the same stretch of road, you know, that witness the same phenomena and you know, and corroborate each other's stories um, and validate, you know, what was witnessed and what was experienced, um, then that's that's pretty good proof in itself. Of course, technical proof in the form of audio or or video is even better. But if you can get, you know, three separate witnesses that all uh, observe the same thing. Then that would certainly pr- uh, provide a point for further research.
2: And I'm sure at that, that we- location. Uh, I was going to say, I'm sure that we have a number of people that are listening uh, who uh, may not be familiar with the story, at least of our. Hitchhiker. We have the red-headed hitchhiker of Route 44 who supposedly appears on the side of the road looking for a ride and you know he harasses those that pick him up. Uh, what are some of the similarities that you see and some of the differences in these hitchhiker characters in different locations? I mean, is, is the red hair a similar theme? Is the, the style of dress a similar theme or is it behavior?
3: Uh, most of the time it's behavior. The hitchhiker itself, um, it varies. It's either male or female. More often than not, it's female. But, um, the the type of dress varies. There's, I think every state in the country has some sort of hitchhiker folklore about a woman in a prom dress or a wedding Mm -hmm. who is looking to go home or looking to get to her wedding. And, and so we, we encounter that quite a bit. People saying, yeah, I saw her or, you know, I've heard this story you know at this location and so you know different teams go out frequently all over to you know, find this hitchhiker and uh unfortunately for as popular as hitchhikers are um, you know the the actual sightings are pretty elusive they're, they're not as frequent as uh, as you might think I don't know how far back you've
2: gone in the history of this hitchhiker phenomena, but prior to motor vehicles and the roadways that we have now, I mean, what would be the precursor to these stories? Were they, were they just people on the side of the road looking for a horse and buggy ride, or were, were there other similar, you know, road demons that would uh, uh, harass travelers? Uh,
3: the precursor would probably be the um, woman in white, the, you know, the one that that people see. Um, plunging to their deaths off of a bridge or off of a cliff near near a road where people can see for traveling, uh, experiencing some sort of enormous grief, and you know those are those are also very popular, but not as popular as the hitchhiker stories that are that are coming about now with vehicles.
2: Well, I think part of the appeal of the hitchhiker phenomena is the fact that it is interactive, you know, the fact that he is getting in the vehicle with you and he is, uh, you know, interacting one-on-one with you, whereas some of these other stories, they might just be spirits along the side of the road.
3: Right. And, and of course, you know, because humans have to fear something, and, and a, a lot of people you know, really enjoy that adrenaline rush, you know, that's what makes searching for the hitchhiker so popular.
2: Well, it, again, we always say this, but if the hitchhiker is out there and he wants to call in one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred, those are the numbers to call in. Uh, we don't have chat room access tonight, so if you have a question, you have to call in with it. That's the way to do it. You can also email us spookycrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. dot com. We've got a whole slate of things we're going to talk about uh, over the course of our discussion with clarissa up until midnight and one of the things that i want to get into in the next hour is a project that you're working on now that has to do with ghosts in the bible because that to me is a very fascinating story when you're trying to explain to people that ghosts and religion can go hand in hand Uh, but you actually have a a new book out right now called ghosts of the heart and uh, tell us a little bit about that work
3: ghosts of the heart a paranormal investigator's journey is is a fiction piece um loosely, very loosely based on actual investigations that I've conducted. Um, names and locations and and some of the events have been changed. But it's a, it's a three-part fiction piece that um, each of those investigations has um, stuck with me and has been so monumental to me. Um, it, it really left its mark on me uh, to the point where I chose to write about it and build stories around it.
2: Do you find it hard though to incorporate the the nonfiction investigation into the fictional aspect? I mean, is it a hard line to decide whether or not you're going to use uh, as much artistic license as you may need to with the case?
3: For me, it's not. Um, I've I was able to build on those on those events um, and create a fiction piece around them really well, actually. Um, and only th- only the people that know me really really well. Um, are able to differentiate between what's fact and what's fiction.
2: Yeah, that's the fun part.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, well, we have a call on the line. Oh, dropped off. Sorry, I can't see the phones over my computer monitor. Uh, but if you do want to call in, one 877 are the numbers. Uh, with that book, Ghost of the Heart, I mean, is there a, an idea behind it where you're maybe a little bit concerned that people will hear that it's fiction and not believe some of the stuff that really did happen to you on these investigations, or does that just not even matter to you?
3: It, it, I really don't think that applies. Uh, the people that have read it uh, so far and have contacted me about it have said, wow, this is great. Um, and in the, in the book itself, you know, I maintain that level of uh, scientific aptitude that I tend to apply to my research. And so... Um, it's not—it's not as far-fetched as as one might think. As far as um, oh, this is you know, this is a, a ghost story or something to that effect. It's, uh, but it definitely um, it definitely keeps the reader intrigued and and wanting to learn more based on you know, the, the feedback that I've received so far. It's only been out since May.
2: Well, uh, and people, of course, they can get that through your website. Is that the best way to get it?
3: That's the best way to get a signed copy.
2: <laughs> there you go, and that's uh, coloparanormal.com, c o l o paranormal dot com.
3: Yes, and there is a link right there on the homepage uh, where you can purchase that book and also see the three books that are also going to be available before the end of the year.
2: Wow, yeah, that's very busy. <laughs> well one of the uh, one of the things that I was noticing uh, as I was watching some some horror movies this week. You know, I had a few days off and I was watching some horror movies and I was watching uh, just tonight. I was uh, flicking around the channels and I happened to cross Poltergeist and I realized a lot of these movies are the ones that kind of blend that line perfectly. The idea of what could be true and what is fictionalized where there's a lot of key elements to it that are legitimate paranormal investigation and legitimate paranormal documentation. And then the fun stuff comes uh, when, you know, that starts to heat up. When you were writing uh, *Ghost of the Heart, was there a desire on your part to, at any point, enhance the actual activity that happened, uh, or did you try to keep it at least pretty close to what you actually experienced in the investigation?
3: Uh, some of it is, is enhanced pretty well, um, but other parts of it are, are pretty what actually happened. And you know, again, because, because these are based on actual events, um, I've got to walk a really fine line mm-hmm. Um, in maintaining my client's confidentiality and, ta- and um, keeping the, the locations pretty, pretty low key, so that there isn't, you know, this mass rush to somebody's house going, you know, I read about this place in this lady's book and, you know, and I and I want to check it out. And so, um, you know, there's a fine line that I have to that I have to walk in that respect. But uh, in in other areas, you know, I I utilize the. My ability to embellish uh, you know, events and, and activity.
2: Plus, what might seem mundane to us as investigators, <laughs> you know, that could mean the whole world to somebody who isn't familiar with it. I was t- I was sharing some stories today with some some kids about uh, some of the investigations that I've had, and you know, some of the ho hum stuff that's gone on, and they they were fascinated just by the, the you know the, the mundane things. So you never know.
3: Right, yeah, well. you never know, and and it it certainly makes for a for a really good stormy night read. You know, for, for anybody that's into you know, reading those books during thunderstorms, I know one of my investigators loves to do that, and, and that's exactly what he did when uh, he read the book for the first time. He read it during a thunderstorm, and, and I got a, a message on Facebook going, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All
4: right, well,
2: we do have a call on the line here, so uh, let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Clarissa Vasquez. How you doing?
0: Hi, it's Keith Johnson calling.
2: Hey, Keith, how are you?
0: Good, how are you doing?
2: We're uh, doing well. How about I want to say
0: please. hi to Clarissa, and I'm very glad to see her on your show, and uh, welcome to Spooky South Coast.
3: Thanks, Keith. I'm I'm honored that you called in.
0: Yeah, well, I I saw you on. I had to call in, and you uh, know, I just wanted to say hi, and very glad to see you on the on the uh, show. And um, I know you uh, deal with demonology as well, which um, can be a very you know interesting subject.
3: Yes, it can.
2: Well, and that, that's something I definitely want to discuss with you a little bit in the second hour as well, Clarissa. The, the idea that you know, there is a rise in, in demonology. We've talked about this with Keith in the past, uh, and there does seem to be a lot of people who are getting in over their heads when it comes to demons.
0: Yes, and I, I hope you do discuss that, because there's a lot of people, like young people that are getting into it and uh, unprepared, and they, they think it's just glamorous, and then they're not. <laughs> so I, I hope you do discuss that a little later, because um, that's, that's a r- very relevant topic.
2: Well, you know how it is. You want to make sure you have the most exciting cases for TV. That's how they. That's how these kids are thinking.
0: That's right. That's right. And then they go out and do it, and suddenly there's a backlash. You <laughs> know, but
2: uh, You will definitely get into all that and more. And uh, and Keith, uh, I noticed that uh, you were here recently for the South Coast Toy and Comic Show.
0: Yes. Yes, indeed.
2: Sorry, I, I missed you at the latest one, and I, I, I noticed you've been out and about quite a bit lately.
0: Yeah. Yep. I'm getting out out and about because. Uh, now is the slow season for, for tourism, which is, you know, how I make my living recently, you know, besides books and everything. So, uh, so now it's the slow season, so I'm taking advantage of it and uh, getting back out there.
2: Well, you got to talk to content director Chris Balzano. we are got to get you back in here for another show.
0: Fantastic. I would love to do that.
2: All right. Thank you for calling in and take care. Okay. God bless, guys. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, that, that is funny, Clarissa. We, we talk with Keith all the time about how, you know, there's people who aren't grounded enough to become demonologists who try to do that. And, of course, I didn't introduce you as such, uh, but you are a reverend. So uh, you, you definitely have a firm, you know, grasp of your spiritual side to be able to go up against these things.
3: Absolutely. And the one thing that I tell everybody, you know, as Keith mentioned, mm-hmm. I get people contacting me regularly saying, oh, I want to learn about this, will you teach me? And, you know, I'm really interested in the demonology side, and my first reply is always, if I knew then what I know now, I would not have embraced the demonology side the way that I did back then.
2: Well, is it, it should it be an interest in demonology, or should it be a calling?
3: It, it should be a calling.
2: I mean, I, I guess being somebody who wants to avoid the demonic at all costs, if I can... You know, I don't see what the lure would be to somebody who doesn't feel that calling. I don't know why they would want to go up against this head-to-head if it's truly that evil and it's truly not just, you know, encompassing your soul to go up against it and do battle. I I just couldn't understand why somebody would want to rush into something like that.
3: Well, just like you mentioned while Keith was on the line, uh, you know, TV shows have Mm -hmm. really um, softened the demonology aspect. You know, they... They present what could possibly be a demonology case and send in a a minister or a priest or even a lay person in some in some cases to go head to head with this potentially demonic entity and at the end of the show, there's a happy ending not only it's, that it's,
2: but I noticed the demons also get to come back like the next season for a return appearance exactly. You know, it's almost and, like demons have become like that special girl that Fonzie just couldn't get over.
3: <laughs> exactly, and you know when you're when you're dealing with a potential demonic entity, um, the last thing you want to do is send somebody in that is uneducated, unprepared, and does not have a a strong spiritual background.
2: Well, that eliminates me on all three counts. Sorry, right. We're coming up here against the news. Uh, when we come back on the other side, I, I want to talk more about demonology with you, and I also want to talk more about ghosts in the Bible. So we're going to get a little religious on you here as we head into Sunday. So stay tuned for more. We have a whole another hour coming up with Coresa Vasquez here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Turn on all your lights. Sasquatch, Godzilla, King Kong, Loch Ness, Goblin, Ghouls, a zombie with no conscience. Question: What do these things all have in common? Everybody knows I'm a spooky South Coast monster. conquer, stop you, your stop your silly nonsense, nonsense.
2: None of you monster! niggas. Just go with it. This is what we do. We fly by the seat of our pants. Welcome back, hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz, and the Jiggerman Hove oh, Jay Z, leading us in there <laughs> It's to hour or two. And uh, we are here to talk about the paranormal. Tonight's guest is Reverend Clarissa Vasquez of the Colorado Coalition of the Paranormal. She is on, well, Matt's getting her on the line with us uh, right now, but we are. Experiencing some technical difficulties on Spooky TV. We are still broadcasting, uh, but due to the line that is coming in for our Internet, uh, it kind of blocks off the chat. So uh, I don't have access to the chat room, but the video should be feeding out to everybody with no problems. We did shut down there during the news break, but we are back up and running. And yeah, this is the exciting part of our day. This is what goes on when you're on live radio.
5: Yeah, the wonders of modern technology.
2: You know, and we... we Hopefully, we can get this fixed uh, before next week's show and have access to the chat room again because I know that there's tons of great people in there already. I want to thank Dave for calling in and trying to help us out, but uh, unfortunately, we tried some different things and it's it's definitely the line that's coming in. So, we'll make do. But the important part is we have Clarissa on the line and we can talk with her more about some of the fascinating work she's done in the paranormal. Uh, we'll also throw out those phone numbers: one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred, or email us crew at spookysouthcoast.com. dot com. And Clarissa, before the break, we were talking about demonology, and uh, I'd be interested in finding out how you decided to get involved uh, with the demonic side of things. Because we were talking before about how you need to have that calling to be drawn to it, and it sounds like that's what happened with you.
3: It is. Uh, I had a what was supposed to be a routine investigation out here in Colorado. And uh, things <laughs> went south very quickly during that investigation, and we realized that we were up against something we had never encountered before. And so um, I actually had to call in a different member of the clergy, you know, to help me better understand what we were dealing with and and help me learn how to deal with it. And so that was, in essence, what sparked the... Uh, my quest for knowledge as far as the demonology research goes.
2: Well, I think it's important to, to stress that just because you are a member of a clergy or because somebody is a member of the clergy, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily prepared to go up against the demonic. It's something that, uh, you know, people have trained for many years and, and studied under those who have done it before, uh, to be able to, to even comprehend what might come up uh, in an investigation of such an evil entity. But also, you know, it, it's got to take even more grounding in your faith than you might have just in your general uh, day-to-day duties as a minister.
3: Absolutely. And my training, it was actually trial by fire with that case because, you know, we had already encountered it and we had a family that, that truly needed some help in a very bad way. And so we had to... You know, we had to act fast before a bad situation got worse.
2: And and we were talking, too, about the paranormal media and the idea of these uh, so-called reality shows starting to incorporate the demonic into the storylines because, quite frankly, the regular ghosts just got boring. So, you know, the the demons add a little edge, they add a little uh, scare factor for the viewer at home, and they make the investigator look a little bit more tougher in their skin-tight shirts. (laughs) So, <laughs> I'm not naming names. Don't give me that look. But uh, when when you start playing around with the demonic as a storyline, you're going to really be asking for trouble.
3: Absolutely. And and again, like I said in before the break, you know, it's not for the faint-hearted. It's not for somebody who is unprepared, uneducated, or um, or a thrill seeker. If if your idea of a good time is you know, to go and try to go head to head with a demon, <laughs> then uh, you are really barking up the wrong tree, and you're looking for trouble.
2: I got to assume that the demon, though, loves that. They love these uh, foolhardy, uh, you know, untrained demonologists who are, who are going in there and trying. I mean, I know that it's it's not as common as people think to run into the actual uh, demonic entities that that we hear about, but they got to love it when they get what they must consider to be fresh meat. Oh,
3: absolutely they they thrive on they thrive on anything that is weaker than they are and uh, just as you mentioned actual actual confirmed demonic cases are not as popular as people are being led to believe you hop onto paranormal websites and facebook and, you know, and other social media sites and you hear of these investigation organizations saying yes you know we battled a demon over the weekend and you know, and really, it, it causes concern for me. It makes me wonder what exactly are they considering a demon, because true demonic uh, encounters are actually pretty rare.
2: And they also take weekends off, right? <laughs> because Saturday yeah. is the Jewish holiday and Sunday's you know the, the Christian holiday, so demons they don't work weekends.
3: Well, uh... no, they, and they don't only operate on weekends either. When when most investigators operate they they are active 24 7 365
2: and don't even take christmas off well there you go well one thing that i want to ask you is we were talking with last week's guest about the idea of elementals i mean he's investigating over in the uk where this seems to be a little bit more uh popular in terms of uh being discussed amongst the paranormal community but these negative spirits that are just that just negative entities that aren't necessarily demonic but they just work Opposite of us. Do you think that a lot of these cases that people are calling demonic might actually be elementals?
3: It's possible. Um, There's so many different classifications and names for what we routinely encounter as investigators. Um, For instance, you know, and what we would, what my organization would call an intelligent uh, haunting could be considered by another investigation organization as an interactive or an intellectual or Something of that nature. You know, there's so mm-hmm. many different terms for for what we routinely encounter. And as an elemental, I, I think it could easily be um, what people are considering to be demonic activity. Um, some people consider poltergeist activity to be demonic activity. And uh, which, through my research, i found is not necessarily the case. Just because an unseen force has the ability to move physical objects and make noise does not necessarily mean that it's demonic in nature.
2: Anything negative I file under one category, pass it off to Monies. (laughs) Uh, No,
5: she brought up a good point. I've been doing this stuff close to 25 years and in all of this time I've come across maybe four, five cases total that I would consider in the realm of quote-unquote demonic. They're They're not common.
2: Well, we have a uh, phone call on the line, and if you want to call in, the numbers are one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty, or five zero eight Let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Clarissa Vasquez. How are you?
1: Hi. Uh, sorry, my phone messed up a bit. Um, this is uh, Ray J. calling from Austin, long-time fan of the show, first-time hey, caller.
2: Great to hear <laughs> your voice finally.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Um, I've, got a, I've got a question for uh, uh, Clarissa. Um, I, I uh, some people like to use the Bible to say that uh, investigating the paranormal or even believing in the, in the paranormal is uh, uh is wrong, and and uh, um and um, you know, one of the passages that seems to really say that is, and I don't remember the exact uh, passage, but it's in Deuteronomy, where it's talking about don't don't consult the medium, don't. You know, uh, asked about the future. I'm I'm really horribly paraphrasing it, but are you familiar with the passage?
3: Yeah, I am. And we actually discussed that in the chat room during the break. Um, that specific uh, verse in Deuteronomy, and while that that specific passage, uh, it's Deuteronomy 18:10. Uh, there shall not be found among you. Anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through fire or that uses divination. Um, and so really, observers of times are people who read the horoscope. Enchanters are people who cast spells, such as a hypnotist. And all of these, including a witch, are things or people uh, the person puts his trust in rather than in God. And so that's really what that passage in Deuteronomy is referring to. And as we discussed in the chat room during the break, there are other instances such as uh, First Samuel where uh, Saul consults the witch of Endor to bring the spirit of Samuel back, uh, you know, to ask his advice. And so, uh, you so know, it's in, in like... one... Go ahead with your question. Uh, so
1: it's, it's kind of like using... Um... Paranormal means if you would like, like to manipulate others to gain sort of, I guess, control others in a sense.
3: Is that right? Right. That, that's really what that passage is referring to. Uh, awesome. whereas with, with legitimate investigation, if you're using technology and scientific means to obtain your information and you're not utilizing Ouija boards or seances or things of that nature, then, uh, and you're not necessarily uh, invoking those negative entities. Thank you so very much. That's awesome. Thank you.
2: All right, and thank you, Ray J., for calling in. Now, now that you've done it once, you got to do it more often. Uh, we'll do absolutely. <laughs> All right. Have thank a you. great night. Now I'll, I'll be talking to you this week. I'm sure. Yes. Thank you. All right, have a good night. All right. We have another call. Let's go right to that. Uh, again, one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred and this is what happens when you start talking religion Clarissa the phone lines light up. Good evening. around Spooky South Coast with Clarissa Vasquez. How are you?
6: Hello, how are you doing guys? Good, how are you? Oh uh, fine. This is Big Jim from Maryland. How are you guys? Hey, doing? Hey Big
2: Jim. Hey Big Jim.
6: Hey uh big big question I want to say to you guys. Uh have you ever dealt with with the gin and how many cases that would you say it would be the would be gin and not demonic?
3: Are you, are you asking oh, me personally
6: yes
3: okay um, i have never personally encountered what would be considered a gin um, it's my understanding that genuine gin encounters are um, even more rare than a demonic encounter um, if if not strictly folklore and our ghost stories blown out of proportion
2: how about yourself big jim have you encountered any
3: If I uh, we we were actually
6: featured on on a television show, me and my team was uh, back in May, and we had a case down in Annapolis, and uh, which actually had uh, uh, Carl Johnson and Rosemary Allen Gally actually helped us out on that case, and it was referred to. Basically, it was a a gin case, and the uh, the client's still going through through some problems. Um, It's gone through done some done some different things where it's been uh, a lot of negative. energy has been in that house and also has uh, tremendously changed a lot of their lives down there. And it it wasn't really demonic. It was more of a gin case, uh, according to what what Rosemary Allen Golly had written in her book called The Vengeful Gin. And um, I I was just wondering if anybody else might have encountered anything uh, more than that, not not so much as demonic.
2: And I, I personally have never... Uh, encountered anything myself, but I have had discussions with an investigator we know who actually has a a husband who's Egyptian, and she shared with us uh, some of the stories from from his culture, and I guess maybe there, it's because it's part of their culture, it seems more prominent, but here it just seems like a a rarity.
5: Uh, I was going to say, my viewpoint on it would be it's a cultural... Uh, label that they're placing on what we we probably call an elemental. It's just their mm-hmm. their their colloquial name for it.
6: I can see that. Well, thank you, guys. Have a good mm-hmm. one there, and uh, keep in tendering there, Matt.
5: You got it, brother. All
2: right,
6: right brother. Hey, didn't work. you just have a
2: birthday recently?
6: Me? Yeah. It's it's coming up on the seventeenth.
2: All right. Well, happy happy, happy, birthday. happy early birthday.
6: <laughs> same day as uh, pj souls off of uh, uh halloween story so yeah anyway hey cool time man all right hey good fun talking to you guys you guys take care of there and yeah have, have a good one
2: you too thank you, thank you. you.
6: Bye,
2: bye. all right again the numbers to call in if you want to call in are one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty and uh five oh eight nine nine six zero five hundred. we did have an audio problem with the video stream on spooky tv but that's fixed now uh we're just having all kinds of problems tonight with that we should have just abandoned it right from the beginning. But uh, we forge our way through. See what happens, Clarissa, when you're on this end? And Well, you've been here. You've, you know what it's like on this end. We've got all kinds of buttons and switches to worry about, wires everywhere. It's amazing that we can get this show up and running every week, being the idiots that we are. <laughs> uh, and speaking of idiots, I, I want to be forthcoming here and say, you know, I don't really know much about the Bible. I've never been, I wasn't raised in a religious household. I've never really studied it. And I kind of have only a cursory knowledge of it, uh, and I was amazed to find out that there are so many interactions between spirits and people in the Bible. For something that is supposedly frowned upon, uh, they sure do use it as a good plot device in that book.
3: They do; <laughs> they really do. And uh, you know, I think with the with the influx in television shows and programming and stuff, it's generated uh, an immense interest. Obviously. And I think it's really giving some fuel for the uh, hellfire and brimstone preachers to uh, to have those those come to Jesus sermons, uh, you know, further, you know, further drawing the masses uh, away from uh, spiritual encounters, you know, on, in the off chance that they'll encounter something demonic.
2: Do you think? And, uh, but do you think that today's you know organized religions are too? Quick to dismiss the idea of ghosts they're too quick to, to put it in the in the category of you know communicating with the devil it, it just seems like it's a it's a power thing more than anything it 's making sure that they control
5: control thing. yeah
2: they, they, they control being able to uh, have the, the pathway to the afterlife and they don 't want you to find out the answers because you might find out that it 's not what they're telling you
3: well, absolutely, uh, but on the flip side of that coin there are some uh forms of organized religion that embrace it. And uh it's actually, you know, communicating with the spirits is actually part of their uh part of their faith and part of their practices. Mm. So it 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 varies from faith to faith and you can you can conduct an interview with a catholic priest who will tell you one thing and then you conduct the same the exact same interview with a mainstream christian Minister, and they will tell you exactly the opposite. So it, it varies, even though there's, there's, uh, Christ, mainstream Christianity is just a branch off of Catholicism and an and evolved branch. But they, there are two very, very drastic different belief systems now because things have evolved so drastically.
2: Well, we have a couple calls uh, lined up here, but I'll throw out the numbers again anyway. One eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. All right, Matt, I think you probably know which one called in first. So, good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Clarissa Vasquez. How
4: are you? That me? That's you. That's me. Hey, CJ, it's Rick in Junction. How are you? Hi, Rick. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Hey, you know. Uh, you know that i'm involved with um, department of corrections and there are like 57 or 157 recognized religions within the department of corrections everything from christianity to worshiping the the hammer of thor um, so this is this is nothing new you know
3: no it it's not anything new rick and you know as I think you and I actually had a discussion about that a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I I believe we, we discussed that very thing a couple of years ago when you were getting into the uh, the prison ministry. That, you know, exactly, so many, and, and, so
4: and, and
3: and you, you know, systems um,
4: systems and it's all it's all a matter of our constitutional right to be able to worship however we want to worship, or whoever we want to worship. That that's evident with with the Muslim and Christian religion and, and all of the other recognized religions, too.
2: Go Flying Spaghetti Monster.
4: Hey, that's a good one. <laughs> well, uh, maybe that's 158th recognized religion.
2: Maybe maybe you can answer this question, then, coming from the, the correctional side of things. Do you find that they have this belief when they go in, or is it something that they discover pretty quickly once they're on the other side of those bars?
4: Oh, I think it's uh, it's acquired uh, as soon as they come in. Um, uh, there's a lot of peer pressure um, the uh, offenders only allowed to change their religious preference, I think three times in two years. And, and there are people that they want to be Jewish this week, they want to be Catholic next week. They want to be a, uh, an American Indian in a sweat lodge the next week. It's kind of kind of like a, a cafeteria plan because there is, there's not a lot of structure within the prison system with that.
2: Well, I'd be whatever religion would get me outside the fastest. That would probably be what I would do.
4: Yeah, I, oh, exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like, you know, um, you're from Jersey? No kidding, I'm from Jersey, too. Everybody's from Jersey, you know? And they're, they're, they're so easily swayed because of the peer pressures and stuff like that. What, part, part, of that part of that's because they're cons. I was
2: going say, well, what's the strangest religious uh, you know, religious right that somebody uh, tried to fight to have the, the right to worship?
4: Well, probably worshiping the hammer of Thor. And they they had to be able to bury it out in the yard someplace. And um, the um, case managers and stuff prohibited it because it's basically a weapon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: let me go hide this hammer that nobody else will know where it is. And then I promise I won't dig it up later on and use it on anyone.
4: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, and and did you find that uh, was there a lot of talk about the paranormal amongst uh, amongst the inmates? Or was there talk about ghosts?
4: There's a lot of people that believe in the paranormal um, and, and, and devil worship because, um, because uh what the Bible says. You know, I, I, be- I believe in ghosts. I believe in the, in the devil because uh, the Bible talks about spirits.
2: Well, I guess uh, if you're going to find religion, that's the place to do it because uh, there's really not much else to do. I
4: just... Exactly, yeah. Lift, lift weights and read your Bible. What are you going to say, Monisa?
5: Well, it's, it's uh, funny that he's talking about Thor's um, hammer. Uh, a good friend of mine is uh, Mark Stinson. Uh, he's a police officer out in um, Kansas City, Missouri, and he is a uh, minister uh, to the prisons, and that's that's his particular faith. Is um, he, what is known as a heathen. Uh, mm-hmm. Going back, going back to the old days of Odin and uh, Thor and uh, all of these, which actually, oh, these, yeah. that religion is actually far older than most mm-hmm. of the other modern religions mm-hmm. that they got in the prison system now. But uh, I, right. I just find it weird that you know he chose that particular one. <laughs> and I have a personal friend that is also a ghost hunter that is, is a minister of that faith in the well,
2: prison. By Odin's beard, it's a small world. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you for calling but, in with you. But,
4: but i but Sorry, I, I have known clarissa for many many years and i know that um she, she's top drawer with any of the paranormal kind of stuff going on
2: absolutely we agree 100 percent.
4: good well thanks guys
2: thanks for mm-hmm. calling in
4: thanks,
2: all right let's go right to that next call uh, again one 877 508 good evening you are on with clarissa vasquez how are you doing
0: not too bad, Tim. It's Dave calling back. How are you doing? Hey, Dave. I'm sorry if I screwed your computers up, man.
2: <laughs> no, we, we were willing to try anything at that point.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I just thought I'd help out. Don't listen to me ever again. Um, I had a quick question for Clarissa. Um, as a researcher, I kind of work as a um, very open-minded but non-religious uh, researcher. You know, I don't put a lot of faith into a lot of the Christian ideas or any of the other ideas that are out there, I just kind of go in blinded. Um, as far as a research standpoint goes, um, using my type of um, research or using a Christian standpoint, what's the best way to try to help somebody? Um, should we be focusing more towards one idea, or should we just be going in the way that I've been going?
3: The principle that I follow when I am investigating is I'm an investigator first. And a minister second, just because my particular faith base is not necessarily that of my client. And if I were to go in guns a-blazing and quoting the Bible to a to a potentially Wiccan household, because that is not necessarily their faith base, um, that that has the potential to make a bad situation worse. So the. The idea of going in with a very open mind and assessing the situation, and then basing uh, a resolution, if you will, um, on uh, a faith base, is is absolutely the way to go. And then, when you are going in and conducting the resolution, then you would do that with your clients' faith base in mind, because they're the ones that have to live with it, they're the ones that have to deal with it, and they're the ones that have to maintain it But so that you don't have repeat occurrences.
2: Isn't it possible that whether it's your religion or the religion of those who live in the home, isn't it possible that religion could just cause there to be blinders on the case? I mean, doesn't it make everything too compartmentalized to even worry about your faith, their faith, or the faith of the spirit that you're dealing with?
5: Yeah, it should be a car. It doesn't make a difference—is Ford, Chevy, or you know, Dodge.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, uh, unless you're in a in a situation, you're not going to take a Ford Escort four wheeling cat. You're, you know, you you want to take
2: a. Yeah, you you a, can. A, it doesn't work out. Or or yeah, a
3: hover. <laughs> right right. Um, and and the same principle applies you know if you're if you're investigating and you've got somebody who needs to you know have their situation resolved you know their particular belief system is going to be more effective in their home than yours per se because they're the ones that have to exert the effort after you're gone and have to maintain that and you know when when you Look at the different faith bases. You know, ninety nine percent of them, it all boils down to the same God, just a different method for worshiping. Sure,
2: I, I wish we could just explain that to all of them, <laughs> make things a lot easier. All right, Dave. Uh, d- uh, hopefully that answered your question. And uh, if anybody else has any questions, you can give us a call one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Again, we don't have access to the chat room tonight. Uh, due to the the way that we have everything configured here with spooky tv but you can always call in or you can also email us spooky crew at spooky dot com, and i'll get that email right away and i can read it on the air uh we're going to step over some some toes and some lines here i think clarissa with this question but again it shows the fact that i just know very little about uh you know about religion and about the bible in particular but I was reading online where there's a mention of Jesus after he's been reincarnated. Now, supposedly he's been reincarnated into his original body, but there's talk of him being able to walk through locked doors. Um, so, at that point, was Jesus a ghost? Uh,
3: no, he clearly was not. Okay. Um, and you know, there's a passage in the Bible. It's in Matthew. Matthew 14, verse 26 through 27, you know, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, you know, they were terrified, and they were going, oh, it's a ghost. And in verse 27, he says, I said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And so, not only does the Bible mention, you know, ghosts being in existence, which that is one argument that I encounter frequently, is the Bible doesn't... Ghosts don't exist. Well, it does, um, but it also says, you know, that the people were that Jesus was a ghost, and he said, you know, you know, it's I. You know, don't be afraid.
2: I mean, prior to to uh, you know the the teachings of Jesus, I assume that ghosts were probably part of the regular. Uh, the regular faith of people you know who followed the original Jewish religion, I mean I have Jewish relatives, and you know ghosts weren 't something that were discussed openly, but then again they weren 't something that was so uh quickly dismissed and there is a lot of mysticism to the to the Jewish culture and religion as well w- was are, are these filters that we see against the ghosts are these things that have all been added in you know in more recent times, or have they been uh, did they start to evolve with early Christianity?
3: No, I would say it's been added with recent times, uh, as as more people are generating an interest in in ghosts and in researching uh, ghostly phenomena. Like uh, Matt said earlier, you know, uh, it's it's more of a control tactic used by the churches uh, to See, you know to gain that to gain that control over the masses.
2: One one thing that I go back to all the time, and and I wonder how much. I I don't want to say ghost bashing, but maybe how much ghost acceptance there was uh, in the Catholic Church and in the Christian religion before spiritualism. Because, let's face it, spiritualism did really, really well in its early years uh, getting a lot of the wealthier uh, patrons to come on board. And is it possible that a lot of those dollars started filtering their way out of The uh, Christian and Catholic-based churches and started going into spiritualism, so maybe the church had to decry the idea of ghosts in order to keep the wealthier citizens from going off and and going the other way.
3: Uh, It's possible, um, but there are accounts within the Catholic Church of of priests being called in. You know, and this goes back, you know, hundreds, um, if not thousands of years, where the where the priests have to go in and um, less a dwelling or perform an exorcism and things of that nature. And, again, this was before um, modern medicine and popular science, you know, to diagnose things such as schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and things of that nature. Um, things were considered to be demonic possession back then or or having a ghost in your house. You know, if somebody's hearing voices, you uh, you know, back then before schizophrenia was widely diagnosed uh, or split personality disorder, things of that nature, you know, you were automatically considered to be uh, possessed by the devil. Uh, nowadays, you know, with the, with the developments in modern medicine and scientific technology, you know, we know now that it's not necessarily demonic possession but a chemical imbalance in somebody's brain.
5: I got a question for you. Uh about a couple of years ago I I was uh dealing with a case and it was a case of a ghost of a priest in a seminary. Now would how can a ghost of a priest be considered demonic? Isn't that supposed to be a man of God?
3: I don't know that the case of a ghost of a priest could be considered demonic. Um there are several there, there are several different theories uh, literally, right? There's several <laughs> different theories about what actually happens when we die. Um, the Catholic faith in particular believes that you go to purgatory. Um, there's another book in the Bible, and it, and it escapes me right now, which one uh, that categorizes what the Catholics call as purgatory, um, that there are three separate um, holding areas for um for the spirit to go you know while awaiting the final judgment and so if if what we are seeing as ghosts uh is potentially you know that spirit awaiting judgment if you were to look at it from a biblical standpoint you know that could be another theory that so, you know what we're seeing and encountering and interacting with uh could be that spirit in quote unquote purgatory while they're waiting so a catholic priest being considered a, a demonic haunting uh, i i just do not believe that 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 could be possible right. but that's my personal belief
5: uh, No, i understand it's just that some people label any ghost as being a demon so uh, okay. i just found it curious that it's like okay this is a man of god who spent 50 something years in the priesthood and, you know responsible for all kinds of good deeds and, you know, is still Roman. And you the have
2: those holy rollers that say, no, all ghosts to the spirit of the devil, right, uh, right. to the truth of the devil.
3: Right, and what I have found in my research is the majority of those that categorize any type of ghostly activity as demonic that falls directly in line with mainstream Christianity, well, uh, with not necessarily Catholicism or Judaism, uh, certainly not Islam. But mainstream Christianity; Um, those are that's where I have found the the direct correlation between any kind of ghostly activity uh, being considered to be demonic.
2: We had a a guest uh, recently. We were were talking about a a variety of. Actually, it was our friend Chris Bolton. We were talking about the idea that uh, when you pass, your spirit maintains the personality and the brain makeup and and the everything else uh, that makes up the essence of you and i wonder at least in in what you've been able to document if people's religious beliefs are also carrying over with them uh when they are spirits do they find that they you know they still hold on to whatever it was that they were uh believing when they were alive or do they say oh wait a minute no now that i know all the answers i had it all wrong
3: I've I've got a two part answer to that, Tim. Okay. Um, the first part is there's a scripture in the Bible that says, you know, when you die, you you know you're, you you leave your shell and your memory is erased. So, the the intellectual part of my brain says, okay, that could possibly account for residual hauntings. The other side of that coin again plays into the three parts of purgatory. Um, and you know, if you've like uh, Moniz just a minute ago, you know, if you've got a Catholic priest, you know, who is going and interacting, and there are stories of Catholic priests going and being found praying inside an old chapel or what have you, um, then that would stand to reason that that particular spirit does maintain some of its memory and does maintain, um, you know, some of its practices. If if the purgatory theory stands true then certainly that spirit would continue to worship as he or she had during their life while they are awaiting final judgment.
2: You know, that memory wipe theory would kind of uh, explain a lot, a lot of what we encounter out in the field and a lot of the stories that we hear from people who have had ghostly encounters, the fact that not only would it explain the residual haunts, but it would explain why we don't get the answers necessarily that we seek sometimes from the intelligent ones. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely know, if, if their memories are are wiped away and they have no knowledge uh, and they're simply existing in this in this holding area, um, you know, when when we are able to see them but not necessarily interact with them, um, that could certainly answer, you know, a lot of questions.
2: And uh it would explain a lot for Dr. Sam Beckett too. Uh, let's start with the phone numbers again, 1-877-996-1420, 508 996 Those are the numbers if you want to call in. We don't have chat room access, but uh, I see, Mac Haas, so that you're over there monitoring the chat room. I was wondering if there's any good questions that are popping up or anything that you think we should uh, mention on the air. Oh, yeah. All right, well, if they do, just don't be afraid to jump right in and let us know. Uh, again, because we do not have access to that tonight. So, 508 996 500 996 1420 Uh, and of course, email spookycrew at spooky south coast dot com is the way to email us. We'll get that right away here in the studio. Uh, now, in addition to this book on, uh, uh ghosts in the Bible, Clarissa, you also have, uh, something else that you're working on. Uh, something, you know, more in your neck of the woods. Yeah, uh, ghost
3: hunting in Colorado. Is a comprehensive book. Uh, it goes to print, uh, one week from today, actually. Uh, it's supposed to hit the shelves August 15th. And it's, it's a comprehensive book for investigators in Colorado. It really takes a look at what makes Colorado tick as a state for paranormal activity. It's not the, the traditional, you know, how to hunt ghosts. It's mm-hmm. more of, uh, what plays into Colorado hauntings, different factors such as geology and history and and things of that nature.
2: Well, I was going to say, there there must be some interesting geological factors and some interesting atmospheric factors that have to be taken into account uh, when investigating the paranormal in Colorado.
3: Absolutely. And going back to the residual haunting uh, scenario, uh, one of the popular theories out here in Colorado is uh, limestone, quartz, and magnetite uh, to... uh, Rocks that are found pretty frequently out here and geologists and, and paranormal researchers alike are finding that um, high instances of residual hauntings can correlate with a high quantity of those stones in that area. And so there's a lot of research being conducted right now as to if those, if those rocks can maintain some form of energy because, you know, as we know, uh, energy cannot be created or destroyed, and since the human body is compiled of energy and water, you know water evaporates, but where does the energy go and one of the one of the popular theories being worked on in the state of Colorado right now is uh, residual hauntings in areas of high concentrations of limestone and
2: and when when you talk about uh... In the various different parts of the state, with the the higher altitudes, does that pose any kind of challenge uh, when investigating the paranormal? I mean, I, I've never been, you know, any higher than a mountain, maybe say Mount Washington in New Hampshire, uh, and even then, I didn't make it all the way up. So I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be amongst just the higher elevation that the, the whole state seems to have. Uh, and does that play any kind of factor in the the scientific investigation of the paranormal?
3: Only if you're trying to breathe. <laughs>
2: Well, that's why I would I would make sure I chew gum, but I would at least tag it on the EVP all the time because, you know, I'm like, all right, Tim, chewing gum like a cow.
5: I've been to Denver, and, yeah, if you're exerting yourself pretty steadily, you are going to get winded quicker, especially if you grew up on the coast.
2: Or if you're fat like me, yeah. so you're either way. Uh, <laughs> what, what's probably the most famous uh, ghost story to come out of Colorado? Uh, the most famous ghost
3: story is... Probably the ghosts of the Stanley Hotel.
2: Of course. <laughs>
3: of course. Of course. Um, that's that's probably the most famous. I wouldn't say that it's uh probably the best. You know, there are several other locations that have just as much, if not better, ghostly phenomena in Colorado than the Stanley, but of course, you know, it's been made popular by Stephen King and by ghost hunters and and um, and so uh people tend to flock there because They've Seen it, and they've they've read about it on the internet, and and.
2: Uh, well, what would you say is the most active location? Uh,
3: the most active location is probably going to be the area in the uh, in the central mountains, uh, where you've got the old gold mines, where there's a lot of geomagnetic activity. Um, we've got a lot of uh, hot springs in the area, and so what I'm finding is that anywhere uh, that the that the geology is being affected, whether naturally or unnaturally, uh, say with uh, gas and oil drilling. Um, Any time that 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 the uh, lithosphere is being disturbed, you're going to find increased numbers of paranormal encounters for whatever reason. And that's that's another thing that we're researching, and I and I do discuss that in my book.
2: Well, it sounds like it's going to be more than just the typical tour guide book of uh, haunted locations within a state. I mean, it sounds like you're really getting into the, the meat and potatoes of things. Uh, wh- when you're doing that, though, when you're trying to add in these these alternative theories, these new theories and the, the scientific breakdowns of things, I mean, uh, how much do you come up against the paranormal crowd in Colorado saying, you know, no, 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 we, we've determined it to be this. I mean, it, I know that there's a lot of infighting, in, in different places uh, across the country, but out in your neck of the woods, is it like we have here, where it's amazingly, almost scarily harmonious?
3: <laughs> um, it's, it's but harmonious over here, uh, primarily because of the Continental Divide. You know, you've got your people on the eastern slope in the Denver area and Colorado Springs, and and in that area where um, they uh, they believe tend to believe one thing. You know, that it's um, that it's all ghostly and and there can be no explanation for it. Um, and then you get people on the Western Slope that tend to be a little bit more analytical, uh, a little bit more scientific, that say, you know, okay, it could be geology. It could be lunar phase. It could be, um, you know, it, there could be other factors playing into this. Uh, it could be his, history, you know, just uh, psychic trauma, you know, things of that nature. And so, um, you know, what, what I'm trying to tackle with the book is to provide the possibilities for what is going on in Colorado and that the the reasons behind it, you know, the why as opposed to the what, is not necessarily the same as what you would encounter, encounter over there in Massachusetts.
2: Excellent. Well, and that's Ghost Hunting in Colorado, and that comes out uh, a month from now?
3: God willing, and the creek
2: don't rise. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and of course, everybody can go to your website paranormal colopar- dot com c o l o paranormal dot com. It's also linked up on the front page of spookysouthcoast.com dot com as well. Uh, we're actually at some point we'll probably send Matt Moniz out your way because he's very interested in one of your state's most well known cryptids, Man Bear Pig. Yes, he wants to go out there and try and capture that himself uh, <laughs> after watching too many episodes of South Park. <laughs>
3: Well, anytime you guys want to come on over, you know, come, come on out here. We will show you everywhere there is to see and, and, you know, maybe even take a trip up to South Park. That is an actual town. Oh, wow.
2: Uh, I may take you up on that. <laughs>
3: that. Yeah, you guys are more than welcome to come on up and visit and we'll, we'll, we'll give you the ghost tour and, and show you, you know, show you some real haunted hot spots.
2: Just make sure though, you know, if, if we do take you up on that invite that you, uh, make sure you have extra oxygen tanks for us because, you know, us sea level people, we're not going to do so well, I don't think.
3: Yeah, anybody that's asthmatic, bring your inhaler. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I'm not even asthmatic, but I'll bring one anyway just to be safe. <laughs> All right, well, it was great talking with you as always, Clarissa, and uh, hopefully when uh, when the Ghost in the Bible book comes out, you can come back and talk with us more in depth, because, you know, we only got to mention the word Bible and the phone lines light up. That's You know how it works when you start pushing those buttons.
3: Absolutely, and it's, it's such a controversial subject. It, uh, it always sparks good debate. And, of course, as Chris Balzano will tell you, I love a good debate. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, so any, anytime you guys want to discuss it, you know, bring it on. I'm ready.
2: All right. Uh, Revelin Revlin. Take three. Hey, Revlin. <laughs> Re- <laughs> Clarissa, thank you for joining us. <laughs>
3: Thanks, guys.
2: All right. Have a great night. Take care. You too. Yeah. You know it's not easy doing this job all the time, uh, even uh, even sober. Yeah, even when you have notes down in front of you and everything else. Thank you for joining us very much, Reverend Clarissa Vasquez of the uh, Colorado Coalition of the Paranormal. So again, check out their website colo paranormal c o l o paranormal com, and it's linked up on the front page of spooky dot com. Next week we'll be back. Uh, I guess at our regular time, we'll be talking about the paranormal. I will try to not fumble over my words. We'll try to make sure that we get the chat room working and uh, all kinds of other things. Matt, is there any other uh, things that you think I need to fix from last week to this week? No? All right. We'll keep fumbling through it. You'll be here. Are you going to be here next week? or (laughs) <laughs> so it could be a whole new host of technological problems for us. Uh, so until then, remember remember SpookySouthCoast.com. That's the place to find everything during the course of the week. Uh, every show that we've ever done is available there and through iTunes and on the Ustream video archives. Uh, at Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. we have Spirit Connections with Tiffany Rice, also on Spooky TV. And we have some new programming coming up as well in the next few weeks, so stay tuned for that. Very excited. Uh, for the fact that we'll be adding programs. And, you know, if you have a show that you want to pitch for Spooky TV, we're open to hearing about it. Our audience is probably the smartest, most intelligent, creative in the paranormal field. Uh, so if you think you can do what we do, trust me, if we can do it, anybody can. Just uh, shoot me an email, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, and we can talk about it. There's plenty of hours for programming and plenty of uh, people out there in our community that are willing to watch it. So come up with a good idea, let us know, and we can give you the platform. Uh, so next week we'll be back to talk more about the paranormal. So until then, from Matt Costa, from Matt Moniz, for Chris Balzano, I'm Tim Weisberg, and we want you all to stay spooktacular.